0: We're going to read a story here that's in John chapter 8. Last week we talked about John chapter 9 and John chapter 8 is a story that leads up to uh, this story or that led up to that story. And the story that we're going to read is in the first few verses of uh, John chapter eight, and if depending on the translation of your Bible that you have, there might be a little footnote or something in there, or it might be italicized, and it might say something along the lines of, These were not this story was not found in the original scrolls. It was later found uh, in, in what is considered the Western scrolls that were discovered, and so it was later added. Uh, but nonetheless, it's believed that this is a writing from John, and it's an important story, and it's a story that uh, has often left me kind of um, just puzzled a little bit, thinking a little bit, a little, uh, maybe in a way kind of considering some things that I had not considered before. And that's this story that we're going to read here today in John chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, one. Then each of them went home. And while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. Now, it's important as we're reading stories like these that we take note of the setting. The setting is so important. And here is Jesus. He's in the temple teaching. All the people came to to him and he sat down and he began to teach them as Jesus would often do. And so now here's where things begin to change. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Now I just want to pause here for a moment because this is a thing that happens often uh, throughout the New Testament and through the miracles of Jesus is that the scribes and the Pharisees have a way of pulling out people and embarrassing them. And this isn't the only time they did it. They did it over and over and over again. Uh, And even so with the guy that we talked about last week in John chapter 9, the man who had been born blind. There was a way of bringing them out and using them. And I want you to note how they treat this woman. They use her as a tool to try to arrest Jesus. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought this woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Now what do you say? Now it's important to recognize that they cared very little actually what Jesus had to say about it. As many times as Jesus had been teaching them before, they considered him someone, they were waiting for words to pin on him just at the right moment to arrest him. So there was very little concern about now, what do you say, Jesus? The concern was, say something that we can arrest you for. Say something that we can throw you in prison for. Say something that can just cause all of this to end with you. But watch what Jesus does. The Bible says that they said this to test him. It's as if Jesus here, and we know he's 100% God, 100% man. It's as if Jesus knew here their heart's motives. He knew the intentions of what was happening in their hearts. And so that they might have some charge to bring against him. And watch what Jesus does. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. They kept on questioning him, as they did. Always, they they were nothing but just, uh, it was like playing 21 questions with him. Question after question after question. And we see in a later story that Jesus asked them a question in response, and they they were kind of dumbfounded by that. So he straightened up and he said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and he wrote on the ground, And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus straightened up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. One of the great mysteries about this story is we see Jesus gets down on the ground and he writes with his finger on the ground. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is the writing on the ground. Seems like a strange thing to talk about when we don't actually know what he wrote on the ground. But this is an act of Jesus. It was more than actually what Jesus wrote on the ground. It was the act of Jesus bending down and writing on the ground in the circumstances that he was in that was more important than what he was actually writing on the ground. For all we know, he was playing tic-tac-toe. It doesn't doesn't really matter exactly what he was writing, but it was what Jesus did when they came at him, questioning him, and brought a woman to stone her. And Jesus, his response was, how humiliating that was to the scribes and the Pharisees. It was as if Jesus' way of ignoring them, silencing the mouth of the lion that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy And the writing on the ground wasn't about Jesus, what he was actually writing. It was a demonstration of an act of love that even in the midst of a crowd that is ready to stone this woman, Jesus said, I'm not going to condemn her. I'm just going to sit right here and write on the ground. Now, I want you to catch this picture here for a moment because this woman, she's afraid for her life. She's literally afraid for her life. They've said the law of Moses says we're going to stone her. And so here they are, here she is, she's probably in in an emotional turmoil, and when they bring her to Jesus, she doesn't know what Jesus is going to do. And to see Jesus bend down and write on the ground, this was a way of disarming her fear. For her to look at Jesus and see Jesus just get down on the ground and start writing, it was as if Jesus was saying to her, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not gonna bring any fear to you. He disarmed the scribes and the Pharisees by what seemed like a childish act, but it was a way of making a great message known here in this about the writing on the ground. Maybe one day when we are all in heaven, we'll know actually what Jesus wrote on the ground. I am kind of curious what he wrote on the ground. But more than that, I've learned that what Jesus did here by bending down and writing on the ground was his way of overthrowing the cultural condemnation of the scribes and the Pharisees and pouring out his love on this woman. And I want to talk to you about a word we're going to use a lot this morning because it's a word that Jesus uses here, and it's an important word for us to understand as Christians and as believers, and that's this word, condemn. Condemn. To condemn means to declare to be reprehensible, wrong, or evil. And it's usually done after weighing evidence without reservation. It's this way of almost looking somebody up and down. And in our own mind, we have condemned them because of how we see them and how we have thought of them. We live in a culture of condemnation. We live in a culture where people look at the way people look and the way they appear and therefore they pronounce a judgment upon them because of how they appear or what they have done. And I want you to catch this today. Studies have shown that you and I, the first time that we see someone that's determ- that been determined that people they don't just judge us quickly They literally judge us in the blink of an eye, and to be exact, the tenth of a second. Everybody in here, on the count of three, blink your eye. One, two, three. That's exactly how you and I, when we see people, our fleshly nature, when we see people, we immediately come to a judgment about somebody. It's been proven. It happened. But what Jesus is doing here, is he showing what it's like to call us away from judging someone based upon their looks, based upon their sin, based upon their smell, their race, their ethnicity, their nationality, their clothing, their abilities, inabilities. He calls us instead, instead of looking with judgment, instead He calls us to look with love. And I hope today that you and I will get it down into our heart that instead of a blink of an eye, we have pronounced a condemnation upon somebody that in the blink of an eye, it is love that comes out to somebody. That when you and I go out into this world and we see people we see people on the streets and asking for money or we see people at the grocery store and they're being rude to someone, that you and I don't come to an assumption so quickly that says they are condemned in our own mind, but we come to a place that blinks and says, but God loves them. But God cares for them. But God looks at them with eyes of compassion. That's how Jesus was calling these scribes and these Pharisees and how he is doing us even today. Our flesh, and I want you to understand this today, our flesh, we all here today are human. Every person in this room is human. I believe so at least. Last time I checked, everybody's human here today. We all have blood. We all bleed. We all were going to die at some point in our lives. Our flesh, that thing that gives us trouble so much in life, All of us here today, it's in all of us, has a tendency to throw people under the bus, under judgment, under condemnation, without any prior understanding of who they are and what they have been through. But somehow when Jesus saw this woman, he was aware of that all. When he saw this woman, he saw people that were ganging up to beat her up. He saw a woman that deserved love. He saw a woman that deserved a second chance. He saw a woman that he came and was going to later die on a cross for. That's what Jesus saw. And you're going to note here today, and it's going to be later discussed here, is that Jesus does not excuse her sin. Jesus does not say uh, l- just ignore her sin. He goes on and he later tells her, "Go your way and from now on do not sin again." And there's this kind of thought sometimes in Christian culture that I'm going to judge a fruit by its uh, or judge a tree by its fruit. But listen, Jesus gave that teaching when he was talking about false teachers. And He gave that teaching so that you and I, when someone begins to teach us and the fruit is looking a little different it not adding up, that you and I don't take hold of that fruit and eat it and ingest something that's going to lead us away from Christ. Instead, what Jesus was calling us to do is to get away from this tendency to immediately pronounce a judgment upon somebody and excuse and look at them with eyes of love. Jesus didn't make an excuse for her sin. He came to forgive that sin. And so a few things I want to show you here this morning about this woman is, number one, Jesus defended her against those who condemned her. This was an embarrassing situation. It, cringed, it made me cringe to just read, her, read this story again. And I think I had missed maybe the force and the public shame that was brought upon this woman. The Bible says that when they brought her, the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. The scripture says that they made her stand before all of them. How embarrassing. How shameful. They forced her, they pushed her to that place. No, you're going to stand right here and you're going to accept the punishment that you're about to get. They pushed her to a place of harm. They pushed her to a place of danger. And this woman was brought here publicly as a means to test Jesus. She was used as an instrument, as a tool, with no regard to her life, to no regard to her humanity, to no regard to the fact that she was a human being deserving love. If you could only imagine the shame, embarrassment, guilt, and now burden that has been thrown on her. And that's what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Is they put burdens on people that they themselves are not willing to bear. And that's exactly what they did. Imagine for a moment if Jesus had not been here. What would have happened to this woman? Imagine if Jesus hadn't bent down on the ground and wrote. Imagine if Jesus wasn't present. She would have suffered, if she hadn't died, she would have suffered years from this type of emotional turmoil. And what you're going to see this morning is that condemnation steals the value out of someone. But love instills value into someone. And that's what they did. When they brought this woman before her, it stole the value from her. It said, you are not deserving of the love of God. You are not deserving of Christ's forgiveness. You are not deserving of a second chance. It was nothing but a way of robbing her over and over and over again. And we know later on that this is a work of the enemy who comes to what? To steal. And that's what the enemy did through these Pharisees and the scribes. They were stealing value from her. That she was created in the image of God. That she was woven together. Every fiber of her body was woven together by God. And they were stealing value from that. Listen, I want to just give you a word of caution today. That any time that we are surrounded by people and we begin to steal value from them, woe unto us. Because listen... That's a child of God. And if God made them, God has a purpose for them. And who are we to thwart the purposes of God? Who are we to stand in the way of God's great plan for any individual? I don't care how evil they seem, how wrong it may seem, how falsely accused they might be towards you. It doesn't matter. If God created them, God has a purpose for them. And you and I are never in a place to steal value from not one person who walks on the face of this earth. Condemning people with our words, will never lead them to Jesus. Assuming a position of superiority that kind of, as the scribes and the Pharisees have, holier-than-thou attitude. Well, I'm better, like the Pharisee once prayed. Thank God I'm not like them. How embarrassing. How embarrassing for someone to even say something like that. Because isn't it true? We are all like each other. We all share the same fabric that we are living on a fallen planet in all of us. It's in all of us. Assuming a position of superiority and then talking down to people because they are sinners. Listen, that is not biblical. That is not the unconditional love of Christ. That's condemnation. That's saying, I'm better than you. So here's what you need to hear. Here's this, 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 and this. No, that's not the, that's not the Bible. The Bible is this, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. While we were in our worst place of sin, Christ laid his life upon a cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That's the kind of life. Jesus could have got up on that cross and scolded them all for what they were doing. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They have no clue what they're doing. Listen, the love of Christ goes where condemnation will never touch. The love of Christ reaches people in their greatest place of distress and has a way of giving them nothing but life. Condemnation leads to death. But the love of Christ leads to life. Talking down to people in their sins so that they become afraid from their souls. Listen, that's not the love of Christ. Bible teaches us this. First John later says, perfect love does what? Gives us fear. No, it doesn't say that. Causes us to live in fear of what's gonna happen to my life. No, that's not what it says. First John says this: perfect love casts out fear, it pushes away the fear. It's the type of love that when we go and we share the gospel with someone and there is this fear about the sin and about what's going to happen to my life. The love of Jesus pushes all that away and promotes the hope that there is in Jesus for all of eternity, that you don't have to live in fear anymore. There's new life in Jesus. If our sharing the gospel leads people to be fearful, we have missed the message of the gospel We have missed the message of what Jesus did. Remember this, Romans chapter 2 says this, as he's talking about judgment and judging each other, he says this, kindness leads to repentance. Kindness leads to repentance. The gospel should leave people marked by God's unconditional love for people who still pursues and loves them even when they reject Him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. All those years I was doing my own thing, but yet God was still chasing after me. Every chance I had to come to repentance before I got saved and I just refused it. I pushed it away. But somehow God was still chasing after me, still trying to love me, still trying to find me. Who am I to stand up here and preach to anybody if we're all human? Who is any of us? But Christ's love causes all of that fear, that condemnation to go away and gives us new life in Jesus Christ. Once again, I want you to know what Jesus is. What we're going to talk about next is that Jesus identified their shared humanity. He spoke up and he said to all of them, he said, let any one of you who is without sin to be the first to throw a stone at her. And then what happened? One by one, they began to march away. Why is that? Because there was not a person in that crowd and there's not a person here today who can look inside of us and say, I am without sin. And what happens is, is that Jesus brought up their humanity. He put them all on a level playing field. Pharisees, you have sin just like this woman has sin. Scribes, you have sin just like that tax collector you don't like. They all are on the level playing field. We the Bible teaches us that the penalty of the, the, the penalty of death is the penalty of sin is death. So he goes in Matthew 7 and he tells him this, these words today I want you to read with me. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you look it the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus said. That's that's Jesus this morning speaking to us all. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. As we said others earlier, some might say, well, I'm just judging the tree by its fruit. But that's talking about false preachers. And Jesus provided them with an illustration so that they may not partake of that. those false teaching, the fruit that those false teachers were offering and instead was showing them that sin is sin. We have all sinned. the Bible says, every person. We have all sinned. And Jesus does not excuse any sin in this story. There's an amazing thing to me that happened as I read this story here as I noticed that Jesus does not excuse any sin. He does not ignore her sin, but yet He still shows a way of loving her. And it tells me that when you and I go about preaching the gospel in a way that makes people feel condemned, we have missed the method of Jesus that was first about promoting love and caused people to look inside of themselves to say, but you still love me like this? That's the type of thing that leads to repentance. Proverbs 21 and 2 says it this way. A person may think they are their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. In other words, what Jesus is trying to get at in Matthew 7 and Proverbs there is that we nobody in here today is qualified to be the judge of a soul. Nobody in this place. Not one person. Listen, if you stand up in a courtroom and you try to pronounce a condemnation and a sentence on the person being accused, what's he going to do? He's going to hold you in contempt and throw you out. And listen, Jesus gives those same strong warnings when you and I begin to pronounce judgment on someone else's soul. That it's only the Lord who weighs the heart. Only God is qualified to judge the soul. Only God is able to search the caverns of one's own motives and weigh them in his hand. Listen, may we never forget here this morning, sin is wrong and sin is in all of us. And the Bible tells us that the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But it's only God who's qualified to give that. Jesus identified their shared humanity. The next thing you're going to see here this morning is that Jesus did not condemn her, but he demonstrated love to her. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus stood up and he says to this woman, he says, as they began to walk away one by one and she was left there with a the woman standing before him, Jesus straightened up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And watch what Jesus said. The one who, who could have been qualified, neither do I condemn you. Go and sit your way and from now on never sin again. John chapter 3 verse 17 says it this way. We love John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then John 3:17 says it this way. For God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world but to save the world through him. There will come a day of judgment there will come a day. We know that from scripture. We read the scriptures. We know that day's coming. But you and I are not in a place to pronounce con- condemnation on anyone, and neither did Jesus. Jesus came to give his life a ransom for many, that many might believe. Their condemnation left her worthless, but Jesus' love let- made her feel valued as God's child. A person who looks at someone else and judges. It's, what it is revealing is a lack of love for the person. It's a lack of realization that we are all sinners. This holier-than-thou attitude in Christian churches today, we have got to refuse that with the hardest pushback as we can. We cannot allow that to get into our souls. It is not a healthy way to live. It is not a healthy way to say we cannot qualify, we are not qualified to say who can or cannot be recipients of God's love. We are not qualified to look at someone based upon the way they look, their race, their ethnicity, their nationality, whatever it might be, and say who or is, is not qualified of god's love no the bible says that he did not he came to save the world all of people everywhere in christ jesus paul tells us there is neither jew nor greek male nor female there is neither any of those we have become all things to jesus christ the family of god and beyond what we look like and beyond who we are is our identity and jesus it is god's love and God is love. And we, you and I, we have to make sure that we are careful, that we are not standing in the way of people whom God desires to love. May we never be a roadblock to God's love for anybody. Never let it be said about any of us today that I was a roadblock to God's love. No, when God is trying to reach somebody and love them, may we just pray, pray applaud, stand in the way and ask God, oh God, that they might understand the deep love of Jesus. May we never stand in the way of Christ's love toward anyone or judge who or who is not worthy of Christ's love. The love of Jesus, I want you to see this today, it saved her from condemnation. All of us, the penalty of sin, we know, is death, it's condemnation. But Jesus came to bring her out of that. Jesus came to rescue her from that. Jesus came to put his arms around her, figuratively speaking. Even when all of the culture wanted to condemn her, he stood up for her. He defended her. And he made sure that they knew, no, don't you ever do that. He that's without sin, let him throw the first stone. And Jesus pushed back the condemners. The Bible tells us as the musicians come, in Matthew 12 and 36, I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every idle word they have spoken. Watch what he says here in verse 37. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Listen, Jesus says that what we say matters. We talked some time ago about what we think matters. And you and I have been called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, every fiber of our being, all of our soul, mind and strength. And the second, and love our neighbor as ourself. Listen, even that person who gets on your nerves, even that person who did you unjustly, even that person who did me wrong, even that person who I look at and I think, oh my goodness, how do they deserve God's love? Listen, that's not our place. Be careful of that. It's not our place to say that person who that just rubbed us the wrong way and we just never want to talk to them ever again. But listen, that doesn't mean God doesn't love them. God's love reaches far and wide. It goes deep and wide. And you and I have been called to demonstrate a love that Jesus came to give. A love that reaches even when we don't reach. A love that says even though they looked evil, even though they talked terrible about me, even though they hurt me, but yet Christ still loved them. Recently, I've been reading the story of a missionary whose story has inspired me for many years. And the story was about this woman. She was a missionary during World War II, and she was taken prisoner of war by the Japanese in, in Papua New Guinea. And as she was taken prisoner of war, they began, as they came and took all the Captor, all the, the missionaries and people that were there, the, the foreigners from other uh, Britain and, and other lands there, the U.S. that were there, they all took them to be captive in, in a, this kind of prison camp. They separated the men from the women and children, and they put the women and children in this one camp, and many of them never got to talk to their husbands and fathers ever again. And as this woman described, this missionary described her days, she became like a caretaker for many of the other women in that camp that, that was there. And as she began to go on, there was this commander who she always referred to as Mr. Yamaji. And she always referred to him in a pleasant way, if, for lack of a better words. And Mr. Yamaji was the commander of her prison camp. And Mr. Yamaji was not a man you wanted to make angry. Time after time, they began to realize after they were there, don't mess around. He began to walk around with a cane in his hand. That if you spoke out of turn, if you didn't obey, he was quick to strike with it. One day, a a guy from outside who was a native in the land tried to come into the camp. And Mr. Yamaji discovered him. And all these missionaries, and all these children, and all these people there, they watched as this man nearly beat him to death for trying to get in that camp. Later on, this missionary, she discovered that her husband, who was in the other camp with all the men, she discovered some three months later, after the fact, that her husband had died. And three months after it happened, she discovered it. It was obvious throughout the whole camp of what had happened. It was obvious that she was grieved by this, her husband who she'd spent many time, years or months apart for preaching the gospel. And Mr. Yumanji actually took note of the fact that she wasn't smiling as she normally smiled. This was odd. So he brought her in one day to talk to her. You know, that's never a good thing when you get brought in by the commander. He was forceful, he made them work hard. And he began to talk to her about I want you to know your smile around here is helping people work and get work accomplished. Of course, you see his motive about here. And he began to talk to her plainly. This is war. The same thing that's happened to you have happened to the same thing to many women in Japan. And she asked him, she said, Mr. Yamachi, may I have permission to speak to you? Remember this, here was a woman who had watched this man People, She had been smacked herself many times by him. And she began to speak to him and say, Mr. Yamaji, I don't sorrow like people who have no hope. And she began to tell him, Jesus died for you, Mr. Yamaji. And he puts love in our hearts, even for those who are our enemies. That's why I don't hate you, Mr. Yamaji. And maybe God, in all of his mercy, brought me to this place and this time to tell you right now today, he loves you. And This missionary began to sit back as she watched Mr. Yumaji began to sob, tears rolling down his cheeks. Of course, he's a macho man. He couldn't be embarrassed. He ran into his room and he shut the door. And in this Japanese culture, it wasn't proper to leave without the commander dismissing her. And so she didn't know what to do, but she sat there for the longest time and just listened to him weep and sob that Christ loved him, that Jesus died for him. Later on, she left. And you know, things began to change. He began to allow them to enjoy music. He began to take that hard hand off of the cane the gospel began to transform his heart. And as I read that, I thought about the words of Romans chapter eight, that therefore there is now no, I want you to hear me today, church. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do. What those scribes and Pharisees were powerless to do. Because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so guess what He did? He condemned sin in the flesh. He bore it upon a cross in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us that who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of the righteousness that's Jesus' love will you stand with me this morning every eye closed this morning as you stand this morning can I just disarm you for a moment like Jesus did and I say to you my friend today where are your condemners who is sought after to condemn you For God does not seek to condemn you, but to love you. And this morning you're here, and you're in need of that love of Jesus today, that love that causes sin to wash away and life to come in Jesus, that love that causes fear to flee, that love that gives us hope once again. Can I just encourage you this morning to just come, come to the front. There's no shame today. No shame in Jesus. No condemnation in Jesus. Just come stand here at the front today. Oh, how God loves you this morning. For the rest of us here today, may God help us to be people of love. People who do not judge one another. The people who do not say, oh, look at them and talk bad about them. But the type of people that say, oh, no, but God loves them. Jesus died for them, he loves them, he cares for them. So may we all today begin a heart of prayer that says, Lord, put your love in me. Forgive me, Lord, for every idle word that I have spoken, that has judged someone, that has condemned someone. Forgive me for that, Lord. And help my words, Lord, today to be nothing but love going forward today. I don't ever want to speak down to anybody in the name of Jesus. But may I do nothing but speak love to them in the name of Jesus. That's you this morning. Just come. We all need that prayer today. Just come stand here this morning. You need Jesus' love for you. Just come today. The amazing thing is, is that woman stood there ready to condemn. They were ready to put her under. But Jesus stood in her place. i want to encourage you my friend jesus did that for you he stood right there in that place he got right down and wrote on that ground for you right here today to show that there is now no condemnation in christ jesus he did it to show that he loves you even now this morning you need Jesus' love today just come this morning just come today come we need Jesus' love fill our hearts oh lord father we thank you today god We thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while even in my worst state of pushing back you, Lord, you loved me. Lord, even when I was looking down on other people and in judgment and pushing judgments upon them, Lord, you still loved me. Oh, God, help me today to be forgiven. Lord, forgive me, Lord, and let me leave here today and go out in the name of Jesus and sin no more. Lord, may life come to my soul today. May life come this morning to all of us today. Lord, use us as a people. Lord, as we go out in this world, Lord, may the world know that we are your disciples by how we love one another. Lord Jesus, we pray for a fresh baptism of love here this morning, Lord, today. We pray today, God, that we will love one another, Lord. God, help us to not restrict your love to anyone based upon what they look like or how they act. But may we love them freely because Christ loved us. So, Lord, use us today, God, as people of love. Jesus, we worship you today, Lord. We honor you today. Come on, can you just ask him today? Lord, baptize my heart in your love this morning. Help me, Jesus. Lord, remove that reaction to judge people and instead replace it with a reaction to love. Lord, we need you today, God. Fill our hearts with your love this morning. Fill our hearts with the fresh baptism of love this morning, Jesus. Oh, we repent this morning. We repent, Jesus. We need you, Lord, today. We need you, Jesus. Jesus, we praise you.